Good evening, everybody. It is Thursday, December 12th, and welcome to episode 150 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Burrell, joined as always by Riley McConnell, and today on our show, we've got a lot of good stuff to get into. Shohei Otani is officially off the board. Juan Soto is officially off the board, and the Blue Jays are one of four teams in baseball that have yet to make a major league free agent free agent signing or a trade acquisition, but we know there is going to be things to be made as this offseason goes on. So, Riley, we're going to try to guess what the Blue Jays do or what we think the Blue Jays should do in order to get a winning team and hopefully a World Series episode or a World Series contender uh, this season. But first, guys, like the video, subscribe to the channel, all that fun stuff. We're trying to get to 500 subscribers. So if you have yet to subscribe or it is your first time here, please make sure you do so. We would really appreciate it. But that being said, Riley, what's up, man? How are you feeling this part in the offseason? I, I mean, you said it right there. There's, uh, we're one of four teams who have not made really any transactions. And uh, we were, we, you know, trade rumors around Soto. Well, now he plays for a uh, divisional rival. Uh, we mm-hmm. were in the Shohei sweepstakes, and we know how that went. Um, the, you know, there's players on the board, Jesse, and we can, we're, we'll spitball. But uh, again, I, I reminded the listeners and, you know, Jays fans everywhere, kind of like it's not really time to hit the panic button. There are other options. Um, you have to have a little bit of faith uh, that we're going to field, you know, a very competitive team come 2024. Um, it does kind of stink though, watching as, as the league around you kind of builds and, you know, you yep. see other te- teams, especially rival teams. The Red Sox made a couple of, I would say very key transactions uh, for, for, you know, to set them up in 2024. And we're kind of, we have lost more wins essentially than gained um, yep. since we ended the year and, you know, had have done really nothing to add to our roster. So we're still waiting for that. I, I imagine that there's going to be uh, one or two signings uh, here very shortly, or at least I hope, and I hope a trade is also um, coming as well. I feel as though we should, you know, try and, you know, there should be a deal in there where we're able to, you know, possibly get a, Maybe a guy with some team control, a younger guy, undervalued a little bit that we see, you know, um, fit for our kind of roster makeup and our scheme going uh, and moving towards next season. But Jesse, I mean, yeah, it's slow if you're a Blue Jays fan. A lot of other fan bases have a lot to be excited about, sadly. I mean, man, like we just don't right now. And again, it's not we're not don't hit the panic button, but it's it's slow moving at this point in the year and you just have to have faith that uh, our front office is going to you know, come through here very shortly and, um, you know, maybe get some table setters and maybe get some good guys um, onto our roster. And, you know, I'm sure we'll yeah. f- all feel a little bit better once that happens. Yeah, the anxiety is starting to kick in a little bit, don't you think? Because at this point last year, the Blue Jays had already signed Kiermaier. We had already signed Chris Bassett. We had already made the Teo trade. I think the only move we hadn't made yet was the Dalton Varsho trade, but I could even be wrong on that. Maybe at this point last year, they had already made that move. Remember, though, this is not uncharacteristic like the Toronto Blue Jays. I remember when we signed Kevin Gosman, it was pretty late into the offseason. Um, the Jays have the George Springer contract, for example, was pretty late into the offseason. The Blue Jays have shown their willingness to wait. And I hope that. That um, us putting in so much effort and time into Shohei Otani and ultimately striking out with him doesn't come back to bite us. But like you said before, there are a lot of good names on the board. And in fact, we're going to talk about some of those names here. But Riley, I want to talk a little bit about the guys that we have lost this year. And look, these are the six main players we lost and their war totals for last year. So Chapman, who is a free agent, 
three and a half four. Brandon Belt had 2.3. Kiermaier, 2.2. Whit Merrifield had 1.5. Jordan Hicks, 1.1. Hunjin Ryu had 0.4. If you add up those six names, Riley, that is 11 war that the Blue Jays essentially need to replace from either guys coming up from the minor leagues, some free agents or trade acquisitions, or just guys on the team getting better. So I've run the math, Riley, and I've kind of been thinking about it here. The Blue Jays really have three spots in their lineup where they can really fill a need here. That's your designated hitter spot. That's your third base spot. And that's your left field. And you could argue second base, depending on what you want to do with the Espinal, Biggio, et cetera, or whatever. Your rotation for the Blue Jays, pretty well set. I think we know Manoa is probably going to be that fifth guy, and we know who the other four guys are. And they could add another bullpen piece here, but I'd say the bullpen piece is pretty well set as well. So, Riley, the Jays have really three impact spots to fill and have to get 11 war out of those players just to get to the 89 win total we had last year. Do you think there is a path with the players available in free agency and trade market that we could get there? So just doing the math real quick as you, you know, we're spitting out those numbers. Essentially, we're talking three players that is basically a combination, three guys that are going to get you between three and a half and four. And four. War. Yeah. That's, that, hey, those are some pretty, those are some pretty impressive stats. And I'll say this, Chapman got a lot of his war uh, from, from his defense um, in early yep. on. And in April. Year. And in, and in April. Um, yeah. Like, I don't think he was worth, worth that. I know, like, war is a very, like, it's it, there's a lot of variables into into that. Yeah, it's not perfect. An on base percentage is an on base percentage. A home run total is a home run total. These are yep. very you know very you know broken down in intricate statistics. We're talking about yes, they do play a part in modern baseball. Personally, I'm gonna roll with this Jesse and say like you know we're basically you know between three and a half and four WAR player. Well, what was Bo Bichette last year? He's right around that mark. Yes, he did miss some time. Um, but Jesse, a lot of this is going to have to come from our bats. And I think that if we're going to get another pitcher, essentially, the pitcher we're going to get is not going to be worth three and a half to four war. It's going to be someone who might be worth two wins above replacement. And essentially, the best thing would be to get a bat that is five to five and a half wins above replacement. And honestly, I just don't see that happening. For, for me, what's going to have to happen is is players that are already on our team, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Dalton Varsho, they're going to have to step up because that's where those wins are going to have to come from as well. We're, I, I mean, I'll just, you know, say a couple names because we'll talk about them in the episode. Like if we're going to get Jorge Soler, who's going to spend a lot of time, you know, probably DHing or whatever, or Jock Peterson, probably a little more time in, in the field. But you can't, you can't sign those players and expect them to get uh, four wins above replacement for you. I mean, that's a tall task. There was one point in in maybe Jock's career, uh, Soler, maybe not so much, um, where they could have accumulated four war. But it, it, in all honesty, man, it's Jesse. We know this. We watched it last year. And it, we, we need more from our so-called premier players. Um, you know, look how good Lourdes and uh, Gabby Moreno did. In Arizona, I mean, we yeah, need... They took a step that. forward. Yeah, They took a huge step forward. Varsho, yeah, sure, whatever. If you first year, new league, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, same with same with those two. They they took a tremendous step forward. Uh, Varsho, you know, maybe taking a little more time to get comfortable. Vladdy, he's got to figure it out. Knock on wood, we need the same performance. We basically, if I could replicate what we did for pitching this year with our four, with our four main guys, I would, you know, I would do that. 
That would be which amazing. I still think would be hard to do. By the way, we'll oh, talk it, about the pitchers on the staff as we get closer to the season. But yeah. absolutely, that's going to be to have four guys a fire on all cylinders like that, and to all excel at the same kind of time is it was very key, and that that held our season together. That's what took yeah. us to that wild card spot was how effective our starting pitchers were. And this is a team that I would have thought was based around hitting. And now, Jesse, we're sitting here in the middle of December with the players we already have talking about uh, 31-year-old-plus guys we want to sign as free agents to bring in as power hitters. That's To me, that's crazy. That's scary, isn't it? I thought that the I thought that our table setters were already there, and we're looking at complimentary pieces. Complimentary pieces are great, but Jesse, I mean, we need we basically we need to make the right decisions, free agent wise, and whether that's an outfield, a third baseman, and another starting pitcher. However, you want to put put those down on paper, but we got to have more from our bats. We have to come through in the regular season, and that's where a lot of those wins are going to come from. Yeah, so we talked about we need basically three and a half war to four war players on this roster to make things work. And look, Juan Soto would have been that. Shohei Otani would have been that. They are not available. And I'm looking at Fangrass fee agent tracker right now. And the players they have projected for the highest war are all pitchers. Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, and Yashinobu Yamamoto. Or Yashinobu Yamamoto. Say that 10 times fast. Um, all of them projected are more than three war, but they're all starting pitchers, Riley. And yeah, we could go the route of just saying, okay, we'll live with like the 20th ranked offense in baseball and let's just try to win every game with pitching and defense and try to win one nothing. That is a route the Blue Jays could go. But from the rumors we're hearing around the team, from things you and I have discussed on this podcast, Jays need hitters and they need hitters in the worst way. Yeah, and hey, look, if we could win every game one nothing, get Blake Snell. I mean, the guy just won a Cy Young Award and well-deserving. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Yamamoto, who is not... You know, not an MLB arm yet as far as, you know, I mean, he is as far as his talent yeah. level goes. But uh, it's still hard to tell how he's going to do at the big league level. And there was a time where I would have really loved a Jordan Montgomery on my team. Um, I, 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 not, that I, not that I think he's digressed much, but certainly not the fit um, with our team at this point. Uh, but, I mean, J- Jesse... I, we, you also, if we have those four starting pitchers and throw Manoa in the mix, we can't have an eight-man rotation. So basically, yeah. if we were to go yeah. that route, like we have to select the the, the pitcher we think is going to have the most success in, in year one and year two. I'm going to go back to that window. We're talking about winning a championship. It's going to happen in, in either 2024 or 2025. Could happen in 2026. But the, the likelihood is more in those yeah. two years, next year and the year after. Um, so, I mean, Yamamoto could take some more time to adjust. Sure. Still not a bad choice. Montgomery, probably the lesser of the three. And then Blake Snell, again, there is a chance that he goes out next year and dominates, but there's also a chance that he doesn't dominate. Yeah, which we've seen in, in his past, right? And I think yes. all these free agents and stuff that we're going to mention here, as we're going to start naming names now and going through the list of uh, guys we think the Blue Jays could acquire, all of them come with risks. Like, none of them are first shire bets. You are going to give these players a lot of money and there is no guarantee that these players perform. If you sign the wrong free agent to a massive $200 plus million contract here, and they do not perform, you are setting your franchise back, and you can almost say goodbye, if you will, to any World Series aspirations you might have 
over the next two years, Riley. So I went through those projected wars for next season and took the top five position players. And I think we should talk about these top five names here. And we don't have to go into too much detail, but we should at least mention them because the Blue Jays are going to be hammering now the top of this target range. They have to. They prove they have the money to spend. These are the only real players available that are worth any kind of money whatsoever. And yes, they all have their red flags. Look, if you're going to get impact, you got to hope you just pick right out of these five names here. So ready to start naming them? Or? Yeah, I mean, it, essentially, like we we have the draw names out of a hat. We're not blindly yeah. doing this. But at the same time, too, Jesse, like I'm, I can't predict the future. I wish I could. Like, um, I, yeah, let's get into some names. Let's go with let's start yeah. with uh, let's start with, you know, the higher end guys and then kind of break it down from there. So let's start with Matt Chapman, who is a free agent, Riley, and we know Matt Chapman quite well. There is a portion of the Blue Jays contingent that still want it back. I will not forget, though, how we felt last year down the stretch watching Matt Chapman just take pitches down the middle and swing and missing and stuff. In fact, Riley, I looked at his splits. His second half last year, Riley, 205 with five home runs and an 88 WRC+. Matt Chapman wasn't even a replacement-level hitter down the stretch last year. And yes, you could be like, well, the leadership qualities, the defense is still very good. Even his defense isn't at the ultra-elite level it once was. And sure, you can look at his hard-hit numbers and you can dream on a power breakthrough. You can look at the fact that he hit more um, balls over 400 feet that were turned into outs than any other player in baseball. And you can look at that and you can dream that the bat is still going to come back. But look, a 28% K rate, and I don't care how hard you hit the ball if you hit it hard, if you don't hit it that often. Is this guy worth six plus years and 150 million that MLB trade rumors forget? I think I'm out on Matt Chapman, Riley, and uh, I think you are too, but give me your take if we bring back Matt Chapman. So yeah, let's not, I won't get the feelings involved. Like if you've, you know, if you're a first time listener, you're hearing it for the first time. And if you've followed us forever, like Chapman is my favorite player. I hold him in a fairly high regard. Um, and I don't think, hey, he, he's, this is the type of player he is. There are so many, he's an elite defender and the leadership mm-hmm. qualities are fantastic and whatever. But Jesse, like, I'm going to just break it down and say like the team, this team needs hitters and guys to get on base and, and in the middle of our order, the guys pre-existing on our club need to come through in those big RBI opportunities. And Matt Chapman, just too many holes in his swing. I mean, yeah. pitchers can pitch to him. Yep. I, I, I mean, the, the He's not, he's definitely not going to hit above 250 for us. The walk rate isn't tremendous. Like he still walked quite, quite a bit last year. He drew 62 walks, but a, he's a strikeout per game player. And I mean, it's not like they pitched around him, Jesse. They, attacked, yeah. they, it, they attack pitchers, attack Matt Chapman and exploited his, his swing. And a lot of, a lot of cuts down the middle and his defense wasn't even that exceptional last year. Despite yeah, winning a good, gold, but not uh, elite. You despite know? winning a gold glove, we know what yeah. Matt Chapman's defense can be. I'm worried that he's not taking a step back. But the whatever top ten MVP guy pre-COVID with the Athletics, where I was like, hey, this guy's you know this guy's unbelievable. Like this guy's going to be not only a great defender but a great hitter. Like I don't think he's. I I think that the ceiling has lowered for what he's can do and what his capabilities are at the plate. Sure. Right. Look at April lace doubles, every other at bats, but mm-hmm. Jesse, I mean, second half of the year, like he's not two Oh five with five home runs, not a chance not cutting it close. And I mean, yeah. like he finishes the year with a three thirty on base percentage and a two forty average. Sure. 
those aren't bad numbers. If he had, you know, finished in the 20s with home runs. But Jesse, he's a guy who ended the year with less than 20 home runs. And I mean, I'm not trying to pick on him. A lot of Jays just didn't hit home runs. And it's about, listen, we're looking for war. Matt Chapman did not accumulate the wins above replacement because of his hitting. It was mostly on defense and what he did in April. Like, I hate to say I'm out on Matt Chapman. But I'm I'm kind of out on Matt Chapman. Like yeah. it was it was a trade. Like Gunnar Hoagland not going to be an ace for Oakland. Zach Lowe. Oakland's Oakland's got rid of all their guys basically that uh, yeah, they like, acquired in that trade. So, so 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 yeah, like it's not it's not bad. But at the same time too, like I I think that there are better options that suit this team. Uh, yeah. Because we have still a lot of, hey, a lot of bat on ball with this team. And you could argue Matt Chapman, like, yeah, one guy with some holes in his swing, but they're pretty damn big holes. And especially if we do go out and sign a Jock Peterson or a Bellinger or a Solaire, those are the guys that are going to have holes in their swing. And we just can't mm-hmm. afford to have too many of those guys. I'm out on Matt Chapman, sadly. I do hope that he's able to recover um, his, his kind of where his power and, you know, walk rate and every kind of good statistic he had going for him that wasn't defensive rates. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't think he should be our third baseman uh, to start next year's campaign. 33 years old too. It's tough to give that guy a six-year deal and just hope that he gets better. I agree um, out on him. Riley, another guy, and there are some rumors here going around this guy that he might be the best fit. And that is Cody Bellinger. And Riley, we know the Cody Bellinger story. MVP level player. I think he had over seven more season in 2019. Then he was downright awful in the 2021 and 2022 seasons after injuring his shoulder in the World Series in 2020, which ended up having him being non-tendered by the Dodgers. Now, the Blue Jays did have interest in him last offseason. Ultimately, he chose a one-year $17 million pillow contract with the Chicago Cubs, and he had a resurgent season, Riley. 307, 356, 525, over 556 plate appearances. So he actually did stay pretty healthy for most of the year, which was good to see. Connected on 26 home runs, stole 20 bases, and his strikeout rate to a career-low 15.6%. Now, Bellinger did miss a few weeks with a knee contusion, but other than that, he did prove he was healthy. The defense is good, 686 innings in center field, and another 421 at first base. So, Riley, Cody Bellinger, we talked about him quite a bit. I got more to say on him, too, um, but is he a fit? Is he a guy that the Blue Jays are going to go spend their money on here? I mean, hey, let's look at the... Let's let, let's look at the pros, Jesse. Let's ju- let's just yeah. say for a second. Let's pretend we don't really know much about Bellinger except for the surface level stuff. Like I will say, he fits. He fits it defensively. He for sure. I mean, him yeah, and Bar Barshow can sing to the same tune in the outfield. He finished left-handed tenth- bat too. Left left-handed nice. bat is essential. The fact that for the Chicago Cubs, um, he finished tenth in MVP voting in his first year with a new club. That's pretty good. Um. And, and, and honestly, like he's, he's young, he's, he's younger than 28 years old. Yep. He's younger than 30. Uh, There will be some term attached to that contract, but now let's talk about what, like what Bellinger is actually kind of going to do. I think in, in next year coming up, like, dude, he hit for three Oh seven this year. I don't think he's 40 points within a three Oh seven average in 2024. I will say that. I don't think he hits above 250 in the season okay. coming up. Michael Meyer, sure. but I don't. I'm, I'm not, not trying to crap on yeah. the guy. I, 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 he's not. I like if he is, prove me wrong. Whatever, especially if he's in Toronto, prove me wrong. But I just there's again with the holes in his swing and stuff. The power numbers are quite down from when his he was basically a kid uh, playing for mm-hmm. the Dodgers. The defense, yes, 
absolutely fantastic. But I just, with the injuries, the injury that he had with the shoulder, like I'm worried that, yeah, he's probably a good fit. But like, can we kind of steal him on a contract? Like, I don't want a ton of term. I don't want to pay this guy a ton of money because I doubt, very, very doubtful that he's going to put up MVP caliber numbers or even, you know, top 15 in MVP votes kind of thing if yeah. he takes it in, with the first or strong. But I'm sure he's got a great agent and he has the kind of track I think Scott record. Scott Boris is his agent. Like, so, yeah. Like he, he's going to get, dude, he's going to get paid. It, like mm -hmm. someone's going to have to pay him. I don't want it to be us. I feel like we could, you know, basically put our money somewhere else and get a better bang for our buck, essentially. Because I don't think he's going to be worth what his contract is when it's signed on the dotted line for Cody Bellinger. No, I agree. But I'm, this is the part of the offseason where I'm starting to get worried because the Blue Jays have missed out on Soto, because they've missed out on Otani. Maybe they get desperate and they give um, Cody Bellinger the contract that, that, you're, uh, that you're looking at here. Now, look, I will say if any player on this free agent list we're going to read has a chance to regain MVP levels, I do think it is Cody Bellinger. So there is like a 20% chance maybe this does happen. But the under the hood stats, Riley, 31.4% hard hit rate below league average, which is significantly lower than his MVP season. His barrel rate was also the lowest in his career last year, even lower than those terrible 2021 and 2022 seasons. He seems to be trading his quality of contact for just more contact in general. And he's just blooping hits over the right fielder over in between like behind the infielders and in front of the outfielders. And that's where the batting average of the high Babbitt seemed to lie. And if he's healthy, you can dream on a good player. You can make the case that his, it was just his shoulder. He was hurt. If his shoulder is completely healthy, he's good to go. I see two comps for Cody Bellinger this year. One Riley um, is a former Cubs teammate. Uh, well, I guess he wasn't a teammate, but he played for the Cubs, which was Chris Bryant. Another former MVP in 2016, hit free agency, ended up signing a seven-year $182 million with the Colorado Rockies. And But like, if you look at a player like Bellinger, you say, hmm, the guy's got good defense. And there's questions about the bat hits from the left side. You know who else sounds like that player? Dalton Varsho sounds like that player. And I don't know if that's a player I'd want to give 180 plus million, if not the 250 plus million that he seems to be wanting for. So I don't know. You can convince me both ways, but I'm leaning towards being out on Cody Bellinger. I, I'd be inclined to agree with you. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. the strikeout, I think the strikeout rate, you know, was kind of based on luck. Had he not missed a little bit of time, I mean, you know, he played 130 games. That's still starter credential, 130 games. But had he played in the 150s, I feel like his strikeout rate could be up. His walk rate isn't the highest either. And it just, you said it too, like quality versus quantity contact kind of mm -hmm. thing. The hard hit ball rate for a guy who at one point was a guy who, you know, could put balls into the seat almost every fourth at bat. And it just, I, I, if he can regain that, you know, level of play, then we look like geniuses. But if we, if we take code or if we take a shot on Ballinger and I mean, it's the really loopy bad swing and he's hurt and we have to go. Yeah. The loopy swing basic, guy. It could be yeah. agonizing, Jesse. It mm -hmm. could be absolutely agonizing. I still think no matter what, you get great defense. But honestly, I like give me hitters. I'm gonna say it again. Bring it back. Like Dalton Varshow is a is a great defender. George Springer's gonna get it done out there. Like give me, like give me someone who's just gonna give me replacement level defense. Like I I don't care for the rest. Last year was fun. Kiermaier did a lot of cool things. Won a Gold Glove. Varshow should have won a Gold Glove. Springer looked mm -hmm. great in right field. Like sure, that's fun. 
Um, we it's it's about the bats, man. And if Bellinger, you know, goes back into that rut, um, you know, of the low two hundreds, because I certainly I certainly can't imagine he's going to hit anywhere close to three hundred this year. I think that's a little bit of anomaly, uh, probably. You know, looking looking at his stats because they're jumbled all over the place, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's 50 points within a, a 307 average. And I think he's, I think he's going to cost too much money for us. I think we can yeah. sink our money elsewhere. Like just end of story there. We'll see. It'll be incredibly risky if the Blue Jays do go that route. And I kind of have a feeling they're going to go down that route. So we'll talk about it if that indeed does happen. Uh, we're going to move through these next guys with Pace Riley. The next one is Ahmed Rosario, who there has been some steam from some Blue Jays fans on social medias and on the forums that really want Ahmed Rosario. I don't see it, dude. Struggled with the bat. Had a WRC plus of 72, 102, 105, and 88 in the last four years. And the defense, also not that good. His fielding run value was third percentile, which literally means 90 97% of baseball was a better defender than Ahmed Rosario. So if he can't hit, he's not a good defender. He's not even that good on the base pass. Like the Dodgers made a trade for him at their trade deadline and then didn't even put him on the playoff roster. I do not see how you can sign Ahmed Rosario and think your team gets better. Any thoughts on that or should we uh, move on to the next player here? No, sorry. Uh, well, yeah. cut out a little bit there, but on, on Rosario, Rosario, I was looking more into it as well. Like, Jesse, same thing. I want more. I want more of a power bat, yeah. uh, as well. And, and and projections has him around 10, 10 home runs. I like. I just. I don't. I just yeah, don't no see thanks. it, man. I just. I honestly yeah. just don't see it. All right, so then maybe one of these next three guys will catch your attention, and that's Reese Hoskins, Jorge Soler, who we talked a lot about, and J.D. Martinez, who the Blue Jays have had rumors to uh, lately. We know the Reese Hoskins story tore an ACL last year. Seems healthy now, though, because the rumors are if the Phillies made a deep postseason run, Hoskins would be activated and be ready to go. Look, he's never posted an on-base percentage below 332 and had never posted a slugging percentage below 454. He had 30 home runs this year. You could probably take a two-year, $36 million contract, which lines up with the Blue Jays' kind of core plans. I think Reese Hoskins would be a great fit for Brandon Belt to take his replacement on there. Um, I really think the Blue Jays are going to look into that one. Do you have a thought on that one quickly? Be a good one to look into, Jesse. I will agree with yeah. you there. I hope that it, the injury does not linger too much um, because we would. As far as a guy like Reese Hoskins goes, I, I think there would be more on his shoulders Dan and Ahmed Rosario, for, for sure, as far as, you yeah. know, what we expect with the bat. And then Jorge Soler. We've talked about him a ton. He's a power monster. He fits the team needs. He crushes the fastball, which is something the Blue Jays really needed. Among free agents, Riley, only Shohei Otani had more home runs last year than Jorge Soler. And his stat cast page is covered in red. He can deal with the inconsistencies. We've known he's had some great years, some not so great years. And he is 33 years old, so may only need like a three-year deal, but... Um, I think you can have him for cheaper than what the Astros got Jose Abreu for last offseason. I really like this fit. I want to see Jorge Soler come to this team. Yep. Put it, put it, put it down right now, Jorge Soler. Cut that, cut that from three, give him two years, and he's hitting all the time. Yeah, if he takes that, gonna, then absolutely. And he's gonna put balls into the seats for us. It's pretty much in my head that that deal should be should be done. Uh, we can lock him up. Give him if if he wants term, say we can't give you the term. Here's 2.5 extra, uh, 2.5 yeah. million extra in your in your contract. Like we need, we need power bat. For me, Solaire is you know pretty much a top rated guy. I would almost have him slightly higher than Hoskins, believe it or not. As far yeah, as I think, I would too. He wants for for this club. I think there's more consistency with with a guy like Jorge Solaire. Oddly enough, as inconsistent as his career has has been. 
Um, I think that he's going to get the at-bats, and I think that he's going to be uh, – I think that the he will benefit hitting in the Rogers Center as well, and I think the ski, he fits the scheme perfect. And then the last one, Riley, J.D. Martinez. Look, I loved him a few years back when he was with Boston, but I think he only – he had 33 home runs last year with the Dodgers. I think the year before that, he had like 12 with the Red Sox. Um, loved him in years past. I just don't think he's that type of player now. But, look, Jays need power. Guys got power. What are your thoughts on J.D. Martinez? So, yeah, I think that uh, Father Time has definitely got his, uh, got him. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to hit not 33 home runs, but there is a chance that he does. I mean, he has kind of been um, the DH type uh, for, for a lot of the last four seasons for different ball clubs. And he's, he's put a lot of balls out. Uh, as far as uh, as far as a guy who is just a pure DH, really, I can't see him playing any defense for us. I'm sure yeah, he'll he's get a, a couple in. Yep. Like I mean, it's again, there. I think there are better options out there, and it, it depends on how desperate we get for guys. But this is a, we could get him for one or two years, no problem. I personally would prefer a one year deal uh, for a guy like JD Martinez because you don't know yeah. if he's going to cr- crumble before the all-star break or what, what kind of regression he's going to have. But I, I feel as though there are better options still. And at the end of the day, if there are two guys ahead of JD Martinez for bigger signings and we have JD Martinez after kind of that, that's fine. If he's an afterthought, but he's definitely not a primary acquisition we need to go after. Some breaking news on the podcast, not Blue Jays related, but Major League Baseball related. Um, Jack Flaherty, your guy, Riley, just signed with the Detroit Tigers. And it looks like the Dodgers have just made a trade with the Rays for Tyler Glasnow, Manuel Margot, in exchange for Ryan Pepio, Johnny DeLuca. And it's on the contingent of um, Glasnow signing an extension in, um, in L.A. So the Dodgers get richer, the Rays get worse, which is good for us. But uh, yeah. Uh, that pe- that cool. Ryan, Ryan Pepio is going to be, I have him... Uh, he'll get some Cy Young votes in 2028, I'm sure. Knowing the Rays, almost definitely have how yeah, they can turn that's, these guys. Hey, I see what I see what they're doing there. I'm sure Glass now. Who knows what Tyler Glass now is going to do? But um, I, I mean, that's not our ball club. Good for Jack Flaherty, I suppose. The, the Tigers are are in a terrible division. Maybe he gets some good numbers and and bounces back. I suppose yeah. we will see. Could be a trade target acquisition too. Anyways, back to the Blue Jays here. And let's talk about some maybe some Blue Jays trades of their own because, look, the Blue Jays need impact. And we, as we've gone through the free agent list here, there aren't a ton of impact players here. So the Jays might have to go through a trade route. And one of the names that have been really buzzing about the Toronto Blue Jays lately is former MVP Christian Yelich. And according to John Heyman, the Blue Jays do have interest in this guy. He signed a massive deal with the Brewers. He's got about five years and $110 million left on this deal, kind of what the Blue Jays gave Kevin Gosman for his deal. And since his MVP season in 2019, Riley, he's had a WRC plus of 114, 102, 111, and 122. So above average, but not superstar level. Still a good base runner. The defense isn't great, but that's mostly because of an arm problem. His range is still pretty good. I bet he's OPS settles probably in the 750 to 800 range, but it's hard to see a random leap forward to get back to the MVP levels for a guy who's going to be 33 next year. I think the numbers that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. put up this past season, you know, the 26 home runs, the 264 average, seem about right for Christian Yelich coming into this year. Um, Obviously, it's going to depend on what the Blue Jays have to give up to get this guy, yada, yada. And the Brewers do have some other interesting pieces. Maybe we could tag along with this. But if it's just Christian Yelich, Riley, do you think this could be a good trade fit for the Blue Jays this year? So it depends how the if 
the Brewers want to offsell, then they might look at it as we have a bad contract. So maybe we could flee some with lesser guys, which I would totally be okay with. Um, you're not going to get the Christian Yelich with with basically a thousand OPS. Of yeah, you had that. I think that guy's like, gone. That is guys. That guy's well well gone. But he's still a guy who who can give you a decent batting average. Jesse, it's interesting what you said. Uh, and I, I thought for a second, if he could give us almost identical numbers that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gave us last year, and Vladdy yep. played like a Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think that that would be perfect. I think it would be too. That'd make a lot of sense. Is 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 the problem I have with this, Jesse? Is is just like the yes, there is five years left on this deal, and like if he comes here, he's not going to be. He's, I doubtful he's dealt again. Like we're going to have to live through five years of yeah. Christian Yelich. Of a decline, no matter what. Yelich, yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. That's just going to happen. But again, what are we trying to do here? We're looking at the two years of those deals and basically saying, can a thirty-three-year-old Christian Yelich or thirty-two-year-old Christian Yelich put up good enough numbers um, on the Jays that are going to basically help us? accumulate those those wins that we're missing out on and i think i think he i would favor him a little more than bellinger but the thing is with yelich what where is he kind of valued on the market and what would we have to get give up for him because That's to the question. Me, they're, yep. they're not the same type of player but they hold around the same kind of they're the same place setter in the lineup for me bellinger and yelich at this point i know they do different things they're lefty both lefty bats and i think they'll hit around the uh, for the Blue yep. Jays, but I mean, what we would have to give up uh, to to acquire Christian Yelich, because I'm just looking at those the first part of his contract, and I guess you know we, we hope Roger still invests in the team uh, four years down the road, and that we can put a good enough pieces in that that Yelich's contract doesn't interfere with a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. extension as well. I think that's very important with the young core of players we have on this ball club already. Yeah, if you're making a trade with the Brewers and you can get like a Willie Adamas or a Devin Williams or maybe even like a Corbin Burns to come with it, then okay, now we're talking impact. Now we can maybe have something going on here. But if it's just Yelich on his own, I don't know. I think I'd rather prefer Bellinger over Yelich, but they're in that same tier of guy. It'll all ultimately depend on the money and who you give up, yada, yada, and so on and so forth. But keep an eye on this one here. Riley, I got four more names here, or I guess four more pieces of info and I'm just going to le read them all off at once. If any of these catch your attention and you think the Blue Jays should make this move, feel free to let me know. All right. Yep. Let me have it, man. Yeah. First one, Max Kepler of the twins. Now this one is interesting. This one's gaming steam. The walk rate plummeted in the K rate rose, which are usually big red flags. We don't like to see that, but he traded it uh, for uh, power numbers, which is good. 47.9% hard hit percentage. It's the best of his career. The barrel rate was good. Could be some George Springer insurance in right field. Decent fielder projected for 2.5 war. I kind of like Max Kepler. And then some other names here, uh, Dylan Carlson of the Cardinals. Look, the Cardinals have a massive outfield log jam. We talked about it last year when we thought Danny Jansen was going to go there. Uh, maybe we get Lars Newtbar. You know, there's there's a bunch of names here. And the Cardinals have a history of trading the wrong outfielder. Like, think the Randy Rosarana trade they made a while back. Like, maybe we can capitalize on that. And then I'm just trying to think of 
teams that have surpluses in other areas that the Blue Jays could probably find quality. Like the Giants just signed Jung Ho Lee to play center field for them. So now the Giants have a ton of center fielders. So maybe Michael Conforto, uh, Yastrzemski, Mitch Hanniger, Austin Slater, maybe one of them are available. Or I look at the Reds and think maybe they're infield jam. Jonathan India has been getting a lot of buzz, but maybe we could try to get someone out. Maybe they move on from like a Spencer Steer, even though he's a little young. Just names like that, I think the Blue Jays could try to fleece and could probably get on the cheap to add to this team. So out of those guys, Riley, do you have a thoughts on any of those that could come to Toronto? I would be cool. I'm, I'm just going to kind of put the lump sum in. Uh, as far as those guys specifically, surplus is good. I would ideal, like, ideally like to have the younger group or younger mm-hmm. type of player compared to, you know, Spencer Steer. Like the Reds are a, a whole interesting ball club as they have a lot of young pieces as well. The Giants, I mean – they're Conforto, yeah, cool, Slater, but they're kind of on the wrong side of 30, as you say. And, yep. you know, you don't – and um, I just – they are kind of rental pieces. I really like the way that the Jays have done things, uh, you know, currently and in the past with, you know, trying to acquire guys with, with team control. I think that's important. Lars Nupar, um is a name that really grabs my attention as well. Um, uh, I think name I he, still like. Yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely would be very interested in a Lars Nupar. Of course, you got really a lot of upside left-handed bat um, uh, guy, guys who walk way more than they should. He's an on-base machine. Um, he's probably more so jumps off the page than anything. Uh, but again, the price you would have to give up for him um, would probably be greater than say, a Mike Yastrzemski and sure, Austin yeah. Slater. That's the yeah. difference, right? I mean, let's, I know we're trying to win here. It's still very important though, for like non game breaking players to keep your farm system intact. I mean, I would have, I would have traded uh, away incredible things for Soto. Of course that didn't happen, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to do the same thing uh, for Michael Conforto right. you know, so, to right. say. So, I mean, yeah, new bar would be great. I like team control. I'm I'm more out on guys like the Giants plethora of outfielders, uh, but at the same time too, there's a lot of different ways that we could go as well. Look, I think to wrap this point up here, like the Blue Jays have a lot of moves they need to make, or else we're going to have a worse team next year than we do have going into the season this year. There is a winning combination here. There is a combo of three or four guys, whether it's trades or free agents that the Blue Jays can make that will make them a successful team next year. It's just, how do you find it, right? And that's the thing. And look, I've given us some thought here and we're going to move on to something else now, but the Blue Jays are going to heavily rely on some depth guys, some prospects the Blue Jays have in their systems. They desperately need this year more than ever to get a surprise from their system to come up and take their take the bull by the horns, essentially kind of like what Davis Schneider did for a stretch last year, where he came up and he kind of gave a spark to the blue Jays team. The Jays are going to need that from their guys. They have um, on their farm system this year. Fangraphs just released their 31 top prospects for the Toronto blue Jays. And I went through all the lists of the guys here that are set to make their debut this year, Riley. And I thought we could go through and we could kind of talk about them and plan to place our bets on how we think they're going to impact this team. If there is a potential for one of these top prospect guys to come in and really take this team to their own and really see how it goes. Cause it does seem like these guys are going to be important for the blue Jays this year. Jesse. I mean, we have a good, we have a good, not great farm system. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. We don't have a lot of blue chip guys right now. Oh, Martinez didn't, you know, jump up, you know, like 2021, like some would have thought possibly, I mean, still very young. Don't get me yep. wrong. 
But the only one labeled really a superstar potential at this point is Tiedemann. Yeah, and let's I talk mean, about Tiedemann a little bit. Yeah, here. sure. We'll, we'll just dive yeah. right into Ricky Tiedemann. Yeah, because look, he was on track to play last year. Remember, he came into spring training. He looked really good in his outings here, um, but ultimately he got hurt. So, Riley, he only threw 78 and two-thirds innings pitched last year, but the stuff, Riley, is incredible for Ricky Tiedemann. Mid to high 90s fastball with a sweeper with a boatload of horizontal movement. It might be the most moving slider the Blue Jays have, or sweeper, I suppose, in the uh, whole organization. And he locates the change up really well. Riley, a strikeout rate over 44% and a 1.68 FIP while holding opposing hitters to a batting average below 200 in 2023. I don't know about you, Riley, but I think those are pretty good numbers. And he's basing it on good competition coming from the left side with a funky delivery. I think the only question with Ricky Tiedemann is he just hasn't thrown a ton of innings, right? So I think the Blue Jays really want to see him stretch out, prove that he can continue his per inning dominance for a long period of time. And look, I think because he hasn't thrown that many innings, it, it might be hard to see him. Say we have an injury in the rotation. It might be hard for Ricky Tiedemann to take it and just join the rotation full time. But if the Blue Jays need a weapon in the bullpen or a long relief guy or maybe down the stretch next year and Ricky Tiedemann is still dominating, then I could really see this be a guy that could really help impact the Jays get to that 89 plus win ceiling we need them to get to this year. I believe that there is um, a clock on when Ricky Tiedemann is going to start 33 games for the Blue Jays. Um, I don't think it's this upcoming year. It could, it's a, probably a little farther down the road, of course. Uh, to justify Ricky Tiedemann being in your starting five rotation, I, I, I don't think I don't think that we, with the four guys we have pre-existing, the chance of having Manoa as the fifth starter and the possibility of us also going out and signing another arm, I don't think he's going to be in the opening day five. I, I, I will no, say but we'll that see right him in spring. That. We will He's going to be a great talk in spring. Training. And I also don't like the idea of having him come out of the bullpen to start the year. I want him yeah. starting ball games. Therefore, he's yeah. going to be in double A or triple A, wherever they decide that he's going probably triple A because that's where he ended up last year. Sure, yeah, and, and and that would be that would be good as well. Although he had just immaculate success in double A, and well, yeah, nothing well, left like, to prove there. No, I mean he's hey he's on yeah. his way up. He's on his way up mm -hmm. for sure. But, I mean, it's hard to justify having him to start the season. I believe, you know, knock on wood, that there's not a ton of injuries along the way. Injuries happen, though. I mean, there's a yep, chance that he starts starts games for us. But I definitely don't want to see him kind of come out of the bullpen at a point in the year where he could be starting ball games because I think that would ruin his development a little bit. And I still want to see him as a future starter. And too mm -hmm. many innings coming out of the bullpen when he could miss precious time in AAA, where, hey, you're still facing good hitters in AAA. But oh, yeah. um, I, I just don't want to see him, you know, kind of wasting away. Um, but I still believe that there is he's going to he's going to get major league time this year. I'm, I'm almost sure of that. But I don't want a lot of that to be out of the bullpen. I think I think his main purpose um, as a pitcher is a starting pitcher. And I would like to see that kind of followed through. Yeah, because he could be a pure difference maker with just how good his stuff is. And Riley, look, like our rotation has question marks. Like we don't know how good Alec Manoa is going to be. Yeah, we can hope. But if he's anywhere like Alec Manoa was last year, we need somebody. Ricky Tiedemann probably has the best stuff out of anyone who could take that spot. So the Jays could need him. He also does run the potential if he just goes down to Buffalo and he just dominates again. He just forces the Blue Jays to be like, I don't care if you have five pitchers pitching well. 
I'm clearly way too good to be pitching in Buffalo. You need to put me on the roster. That is also an option that he can run to. And um, I like it. I just, it's the innings. We want to see that inning number go up for Ricky Tiedemann. Yeah, that's, and again, the minor league will be the best spot for that and in spring training as well. I know that we'll see a ton of Ricky Tiedemann in spring training. I think that's very, very important in his development because he did miss time with injury. But at the same time, too, when he was when he was healthy, he was doing some great things, and I hope to see that still happen, you know, in 2024. Arizona Fall League Pitcher of the Year as well for Ricky Tiedemann, so the sky is the limit for this kid. But the Blue Jays don't really need starting pitching right now. We need offense. And the next Blue Jays prospects, and I'm going to kind of put the two of these together here, are Orelvis Martinez and Addison Barger. Orelvis Martinez made the rise to AAA Buffalo, still only 22 years old, so he's still one of the younger people in there. Um he previously had an issue about chasing sliders low and away. And I know I got kind of concerned, like the guy could have big power numbers, but if he's chasing that pitch down and away, then it could be hard for him to really reach that potential. But he seemed to make that adjustment last year, Riley. He lowered his strikeout and swinging strike rates while working deeper counts against opposing pitchers. And not only did he significantly reach more full counts in 2023 than he did in 2022, his performance on those counts also improved with his OPS skyrocketing from 610 to over 1,000 on full count offerings. And his slash line even got better in Buffalo too. Um, Whether or not third base or second base is his home, that's a different story, but either way, um, I've given the comp from before. I'll give it to him again. I think Miguel Tejada, the guy who played for the Oakland and Baltimore, is a very good comp for Olavis Martinez, and I really do think that's the route he could go. And the Jays really need a guy like this to emerge this year to become that power threat um, and really take an impact and grab a spot in this starting lineup. And Olavis Martinez could be a guy who just does that. Great comp, Jesse. Yeah, uh, Miguel Tejada. Did that one myself too. MVP winner Miguel Tejada. Yeah. MVP winner. Uh, listen, yeah. I think that Relvis Martinez is going to be a very impactful major league player, but I think there's a lot of inconsistencies and streakiness in this game. And I think, hey, I think he's he's almost like I think he's pretty much ready for for major league ball. Um, like in all honesty, but I, like there are better options for the Toronto Blue Jays to have. Like on a, you don't want to have to rely a, on him to be good, right? On a rebuilding team, Jesse, you you put Aralvis Martinez on your twenty six man and give him time and let him let him run wild, get his career started, have some fun with it. But in all seriousness, right now, like there is just too much unknown at the major league level with Aralvis Martinez. And yeah, dude, there's a chance that like, man, like look at this Aralvis Martinez kid in his first, you know, hundred. In 50 uh, bats, he has nine home runs and 30 runs batted in. Like, wow, there's that possibility. But at the same time, too, there's the possibility that he hits 133 and, Mm -hmm. you know, basically has a a 38 or 40 percent strikeout rate. or Like, you don't know what you're going to get at the major league level yet. I think, again, same kind of thing with Tiedemann. Spring training, see what happens. Start the year with with probably different guys, maybe some more experience, and as the season goes on, see how he does in Buffalo, and then and then kind of if there's a chance for him to get in, then I would put him. I don't know if I I might put him first as an infielder, the first call up. I think that would be wise. I think this is the year that I would place him first. Maybe last year Barger was before him. I think at this point, Ralvis Martinez is first out of the gate. Um, from from our minor league system as a position player. 
yeah, see how he looks in spring and in Buffalo. And if he is mashing, then good. And if he needs some more time, then let him have more time. But I'm sure we'll talk about it as the season goes on. Um, we got to mention Addison Barger, Riley. This is a guy we talked about a lot last season. I think one of my bold predictions is that Addison Barger was going to receive Rookie of the Year votes last year. Uh, he didn't even play a single game with the big league club, but that's because he was hurt, Riley. He only played 90 games in 2023. And yes, he did kind of struggle um, when he was not there, but the elbow injury seems to be better. As scouts seem to think it's fine because his swing got back to the back speed towards the end of the year. And his best tool is his arm. And his arm was throwing perfectly fine, if not even better than it was before. And it's hard to throw at that strength with a busted elbow. So he's a big leg kick guy. He looks jacked. His swing is amazing when he is on time, but he can struggle when it's not on time. But this will be his year to contribute if he's going to do anything for the Toronto Blue Jays. This will be his year. And I just want to mention the other two guys quick that could make an impact this year. Uh, Leo Jimenez, who's been in the Blue Jays farm system for forever. Great defender, owns a career 388 OBP in the minors. Hands are excellent. Um, bat to ball skills are excellent. Good Santiago Espinal replacement. And then Spencer Horowitz, Riley, who got a cup of coffee with the Blue Jays this year. I want to point out that no Blue Jay, or sorry, that Spencer Horowitz led the Blue Jays minor leaguers in OPS last year, thanks to a contact-driven approach, a walk rate of 16.1%, a strikeout rate of 14.9%, and a AAA, a swinging strike rate of just 7%. He doesn't have the power you want to see from a good first-base DH type, but the Blue Jays have loved this type of profile, and he's likely going to see big league time this year. So those three names, Addison Barger, Leo Jimenez, Spencer Horowitz. Do you have a favorite out of those, Riley, or one you think is going to contribute the most this year? So, I mean... So I'll go and say Leo is probably my least, uh, my bottom guy out of those names. Yeah, but I will he say seems like I, your high floor, low ceiling guy, right? But I will say this about Leo Jimenez because okay. we talked about him before the show, and that's the the, the Blue Jays love um, kind of your your backup infielder, John McDonald, mm-hmm. Munenori Kawasaki, Ryan Goins, guys like that who are 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 great platoon players, and I believe Leo Jimenez could be one of those guys. I love the high on base and I love, you know, basically the good bat to ball skills. I I think that if there is a world where, where he is better than Santiago Espinal. Um, yeah. But for right now, he's not better than Santiago Espinal and he's less of a sure thing. Um, I love Addison Barger and I think he's an absolute unit. Um, and I, and he, I realize he's fun. He's fun, I, 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 but first I'll say about Horowitz, like we saw, we saw him quite a bit as well. And I, I like the fact that he is, you know, a, a pretty good, like bat on ball guy in a first baseman that lacks power. I don't love it, but I mean, Jesse, we're in a, in an MLB world now where all positions kind of hit for power. So get it where you can. Yep. And, and I mean, like, Hey, like we have guys that can hit for power, uh, you know, to an extent and Horowitz, we don't expect a lot now, but with Barger, yeah, the, the, the swing, he absolutely unloaded on some baseballs in the spring last year. We saw it. We were hyped. Jesse, you were super hyped. He missed time. To I injury. was, I, yep. I, if, if Aralvis Martinez is not first out of the gate and I also wouldn't be surprised to see Barger in early on in the season, if the Jays decide to go that route, I hope, I think that he will have a fantastic spring again. I think he'll get a lot of looks and I think there's a great chance that, that he could end up on, on the, the, you know, the opening day roster. I would say there's more of a chance that, that he gets it than a Relvis Martinez in, in all honesty, um, good versatility with, uh, with Barger as well. And, and, and yeah, the lefty bat thing is important as well. 
big leg kick. Yes, some timing issues, perhaps some big swing and miss, but uh, I think that he would be a great complimentary piece for, for what our team really needs. And of course, like, yeah, he's not going to start a whole lot. And if he is going to not play a whole lot, it'd be better to have him in Buffalo. But I could see Barger. I could see this being the year that we see, you know, 15 games for sure that he's entered for Madison Barger. Yep, I, I agree with that. He's pro- I, I really like Spencer Horowitz, I think, though. I really think he might be my one pick out of these guys that could really boost something. Kind of like James Loney is my comp for him with maybe a little more power out of him. And uh, he's my pick there. Um, uh, the Blue Jays, look, we're losing Jordan Hicks. The Blue Jays always need more pitching depth in the bullpen. And the Jays have a ton of these guys who will likely see bullpen time for the Toronto Blue Jays. The first name I have listened to here is Adam Mako. He's a lefty. He was the guy we got in the Eric Swanson, Teoscar Hernandez trade from Seattle. He throws his fastball and slider both 50% of the time. He has a Chris Bassett-esque curveball, the very slow, loopy curveball that comes in. Um, He's more of a long reliever guy, but he is already on the 40-man roster, which does matter. And he battles his command sometimes. So you want to see that improve before he gets a shot. Um, Yosver Zulueta, who we've talked about for years now, he was acquired from international free agent money that we used from trading Kendris Morales away. The Jays have been trying to use him as a starter for a long time, but last year officially put him into the bullpen. The fastball sits 94-97 with a violent delivery. The stuff is good. Could end up as a back-end reliever. Uh, Daniel Bard in Colorado is my comp for him. And if he turns out into that, that would be good. And then DeHaan Santos... He's a starting pitcher who has had injuries and walk issues, but the slider is excellent, but he still has quite a bit of development to do, so maybe we won't see him this year. And Hagen Danner, Riley, who did get the call for Toronto Blue Jays this year, we saw him pitch one inning before he got hurt and didn't pitch again for the rest of the year, but he can throw as high as 99, and he's only thrown about 80 or so innings in the past, but his fastball and slider are excellent, has back end of the bullpen potential. So any of those names, Hagen Danner, DeHaan Santos, um, Yasra Zulueta, and Adam Mako, any of them going to be an impact I- player this year? I think I, I don't think that they're going to be high impact players. None of them. Zuleta might have have the biggest chance to be that. I don't know what his future is going to hold. Whether he's going to be a big league starting pitcher or if he's going to be, you know, more of a relief reliever. Um, it's really too early to tell. I think uh, Hagen Danner is probably my if I'm going to put anybody if I'm going to put money on anybody kind of having a breakthrough. It might be him. Yeah, he throws uh, 99. That's that's good. That'll play. As a relief pitcher, and I mean, you're it's a guy that I can't imagine is going to be in a lot of high-leverage situations. Uh, protect him a little bit. I, I, I expect him to throw some innings again this year. And uh, But as far as the other names go, I, I, I just don't – if they do throw innings, that's fantastic. But I don't see them, you know, as the short-term solution to uh, whatever bullpen – problems or or roster filling spots i don't see them as you know the biggest solutions um i think we have a pretty good bullpen i i, yeah, I don't a lot think of a, names to pass I on that don't, chart I, I don't think a guy like adam macko is gonna hurt us so to say but at the same time too like i want more of a for sure thing at this point yeah, and look, this might be the group of players the Blue Jays look to trade from. Use this group of prospect to try to help the big league roster because there are a lot of names on that depth chart above them on the bullpen that it would be tough for one of these guys. Unless they really hit the ground running and really soared, it would be tough to see them help the team 
this year. I'm just going to mention four more names, Riley. These aren't on the top of the list, but these are just, just names you should know as Blue Jays fans. The first one is Desan Brown, Canadian outfielder, defense and speed guy. Could be a good defensive guy, a guy you'd probably want on your bench. You know, I'm thinking like a Jackie Bradley Jr. or a Michael A. Taylor comp. Um, CJ Van Eck, who was injured a lot this year, but he was very good in the Arizona Fall League coming back from injury. He's going to start in the minors, but he could be a name. Uh, Domino Polygamy, I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, I think he was just Arizona Fall League MVP. He just won the home run derby down there. The power is real. 16 of his 23 home runs came off fastballs. That was the most in the Blue Jays system behind only Oralvis Martinez. Corner infield type. Keep an eye on this name. That might be go. And TJ Brock is my last name, Riley. And um, if you love a bullpen prospect, a guy with a good fastball slider combo, he might be the best in the Blue Jays system at those two individual things behind only Jordan Romano. So um, TJ Brock, elite K race, just names you should know as we get into the season. Those names are duly noted, Jesse. As yeah, I think perfect, I, good. I, I definitely didn't know two of those names, but you know what? I'm not afraid to admit that. And I'm sure there's other listeners and viewers who feel feel the same as me. But yeah, we're getting names, deep into the system here. <laughs> we're well, not too super, super deep. I mean, it's been it's been a long, it's been a long year of just following our major league club. It's hard to keep yeah. track in, in the middle of December about who's on our minor league depth chart right now. But look, the point that we're trying to make here by listing all these names is that the Blue Jays are going to need impact from somewhere. And if we're going through the free agent list and we're going through our potential trade candidates, there is a lot of risk versus reward here. And if the Blue Jays can get one of these 10 names to really come up, hit the ground running, to make a run at being the Blue Jays' first rookie of the year since Eric Kinski in 2002, um, it would really go a long way for the Toronto Blue Jays to reach their ceiling, which is ultimately what the Blue Jays really need here. Um, and I'm really hoping that one of these guys can just do that and really take this team and, uh, and go for it, because that's what we need. I cut, I cut out there, but that's all right. I that's heard it. Eric Hinsky, I don't think that we're going to get uh, the, I think our MVP or sorry, our rookie of the year type potential guy would be, would be Ricky Tiedemann and it would have to be him starting kind of on a full year and having a really great run uh, with yeah. things. Uh, the Hinsky also did not have, you know, a really, you know, well rewarded career. Uh, I I can't even name you know kind of how he finished. He bounced around after the Jays quite a bit, but um, I think Tiedemann is special, um, and I hope I hope he is used properly. I hope so too. There was a lot of storylines, a lot of names. No, we're going to talk about the prospects more as we get closer to opening day into spring training when we actually get to take a look at these guys. Um, I just wanted to give a little end of the episode here, like thumbs up, if you will. Two two players. First one, Alec Manoa, who congratulations, he got married in the Puerto Rico this weekend. So congratulations to him. A bunch of teammates, Kevin Gosman, Zach Pop, Tim Meza, Danny Jansen, Jordan Romano, all showed up to Alec Manoa's wedding. I don't know if you saw the picture there, but he got married in sneakers. Um, if you had to pick one Toronto Blue Jay who wouldn't wear dress shoes to his own wedding, Alec Manoa probably would have been high on that list. So congratulations to the Manoa family. Looks like a beautiful wedding. And I wanted to throw some love to Jose Barrios, who was throwing a charity baseball tournament down in the Venezuela, down in Venezuela, which a lot of major league players across the board played. And uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was one of them. And there was a video that circulated on the internet of him just hitting moonshots with a metal bat. So Riley, my question to you. If they let Vladimir Guerrero Jr. use a metal bat in the majors, how many home runs would he hit? Uh, 53. 53. I'll, 53. I'll take the over. But, I mean, a metal bat kill still can't stop you from hitting ground balls. So Yeah, I that. would say Matt Chapman hit 60, 67 or 68 with a metal bat. Right, well, that, 
<laughs> sure, I'd love that because those pop just go a little further. I bet you Kevin yep, Biggio exactly. with his fly ball rate probably hits a little yep, more too. Yeah, same um, with same with Chapman. Semyon all of a sudden has a new home run record in Major League Baseball. Yes. If we start using major, if we if Major League players used aluminum or whatever bats, yeah. Well, that'll do it for our episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please remember, like the video, subscribe to the channel. We are trying to get to that 500 subscribers mark. So please, if you've come this far, come join us some more. We do a lot of great stuff as we get up to the offseason. We are hoping we have some Blue Jays transactional news to touch on next as we're running out of ideas and stuff to talk about over here. But always something. We're always able to figure it out. Um, Riley, anything else to add before we get out of here today? Nope. We're cl- getting close to Christmas. Hopefully, we have something in our stockings, a.k.a. Amen. Some good transactions. And, yeah, not too many episodes left in the 2023 year for us. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that guess that's all, man. Just uh, sit and wait for something to happen, man. Amen. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Until then, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.